This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insights, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Free agency furor. Is that what it is? I don't know. We'll see. Not for the Raiders. The Raiders are signing free agents, but a lot of you aren't happy with which free agents they're signing. So we're going to get into that on this edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Please subscribe to the show if you don't already do so. Wherever you get your podcast, put on the auto download, and every time we're updated. We had a huge episode on Tuesday. Obviously, Raider Nation is ready to talk about Raiders football be it positive or negative. So we're here for you too. Also, a hearty hello to our listeners on The Bet in Las Vegas. That's right, on the radio, an Odyssey radio station there in the heart of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. I am Scott Branson, and joining me as always is my broadcast partner, my buddy, uh, the man who keeps me, I think, usually honest, right? Some, somewhere like that? I, yeah, anyway, um, he's here. He is Mo Moten. He is also known as Midtown Mo. We will play his theme. Don't worry. People want to hear it. Uh, he's the <laughs> national NFL writer. It's Midtown Mo. That's right. It's Midtown Mo Moten. He is the national NFL writer. We, I love the music, too, so I like to keep it up a little bit. Um, at Bleacher Report, he has been a busy dude this week writing about the entire NFL, not just the Raiders. But he's there. You can follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. The show is SNB Today. Mo, how you feeling? Are your fingers ready to fall off yet with all this coverage and all the craziness that's going around? Everybody's still waiting on Aaron Rodgers. Fingers and ears get ready to fall off. I mean, I got my ear to the street, and all I'm going to say is <laughs> could be big news coming down the pipeline. If you're listening to this Thursday oh, morning, oh. keep your ears to the Twitter streets. Could be some big news. I'm not a reporter, so I don't break news, but, you know, people people talk to me. Yes, yes. Joe Montana's making a comeback. We heard. <laughs> uh, no, he is not. But, Mo, um, we'll, we'll get into some of the other free agency stuff in a minute, but let's talk about the Raiders and some of the pieces that they have now added since the last time we spoke on Tuesday. Jerry Tillery signs, re-signs with the Raiders. A good signing. Not amazing. I know it's not going to placate Raider Nation, and it shouldn't. I've been preaching positivity, as you know, this week, my friend. Saying, You've hey. You've been trying to preach, preach positivity, but go ahead. I have, I'll let but, you take it away. But I will say this. As Wednesday progressed, we get the Tillery news, the Roderick Teamer news, which just made my week. I'm just kidding. Um, I understand Raider Nation. I'm much more lukewarm to anything they've done because they have not addressed 
a lot. Like last year, we were talking about, hey, what's going on with the offensive line? What's going on with the offensive line? So far, this short period of time in free agency, not addressing significant holes on the defense. Now, I understand that they're going to do a lot of it in the draft mode, and they got to nail that 100%. But I am just shocked that they have not gone out yet and gotten some players, whether it be in the front, whether it be at linebacker, or whether it be in the defensive backfield. All of the A players are pretty much gone. There's a few left out there. Uh, at linebacker too, but but not many. Other than addressing the quarterback position with signing Jamie Garoppolo on Monday, they haven't they haven't addressed any really any of their needs aside from re-signing players who I feel are depth players: Marcus Epps, Roderick Teamer, uh, Tillery's a rotational player. So I I said this on Twitter Wednesday. I said because of the slow start through the legal tampering period, I think. This is a sign that a trade or trades, another trade or trades could be happening. Because usually, if a team wants to acquire a player, sometimes they'll do their all their depth signings first because that acquisition could take up a lot of cap space, so it may hold up other potential signings. So, if you remember what happened last year, I know it was a t- different situation because Derek Carr was part of this with the Devonta Adams deal. They also traded for Rock Yassin. Remember, mm-hmm. the Rays were quiet from Monday through Wednesday. It wasn't until Thursday that things got really moving for Dave Ziegler and that regime. So I, I would tell Raider fans why I understand the impatience because you have a lot of needs specifically defense to fill in a, and on the offensive line. But let's that free agency is more than the first wave. So I, right. I think there could be some moves made. Now, it's not going to address all their needs. They have a lot. Again, they have a lot to address. But I think there's a trade or two coming down the pipeline. That's why you're seeing a slow move through the legal temporary period and the first day of the new league year. Yeah, I was asked that on Twitter on Wednesday, Mo. And I think you and I are like mind of that because we had we had talked early on. Well, it looks like maybe they're doing something. They're, com- they're, they're, they're compiling these picks. They got that third round pick, obviously, for Darren Waller. And we thought maybe there was something them moving up in the draft. And there may be. But also with the number of draft picks they have uh, with other players on the roster that might have some value elsewhere, that that trade for a veteran defensive player to me, to me, it's either moving up in the draft or they're doing something, at least you want to believe, <laughs> they're working on something for that defensive player uh, that just might require some draft capital uh, to get him out of his old zip code and into his new zip code in Nevada. The two things I'm looking out for is a trade for a defensive player, and I think I still believe, even though Waller has already been traded to the Giants, I still believe they're going to move Hunter Renfro because on, I believe it was Tuesday, I tweeted out that there's a clause in Hunter Renfro's contract that if he's on the roster by Friday, that his 2023 uh, contract becomes, his salary becomes fully guaranteed. Now, if they trade him, of course, it wouldn't be fully guaranteed. So I think they wanted to get out of that simply because they brought in Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers lines up mostly in the slot, just like Hunter Renfro. So they're duplicate players in the system. Now, there was some uh, idea maybe they keep both of them because the Patriots had Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola both operating out of slot. But I don't think that's the situation here because Danny Amendola is not being paid as much as Hunter Renfro is being paid right now. (laughs) So you don't want to have a high signing that you just brought in in Jacoby Myers and a guy you just extended last year, Hunter Renfro, 
making a decent chunk of change. So one of those guys I think is going to go and obviously would have to be Hunter Renfro because they just brought in Jacoby Myers. Yeah, and Jacoby Myers making $11 million a year. By the way, that seems to be the market. Juju Smith-Schuster goes to New England for $11 million a year. And there was one other wide receiver who signed. I can't remember who it was for $11 million. So they all signed... And it's not an it wasn't a stellar wide receiver free agency class, by the way, I may add. So so that money, but certainly that points to uh yeah, when you go out and acquire and pay that kind of money to a slot receiver who is on the upswing, by the way. I think Jacoby Myers is getting better as a player. It certainly points to that. By the way, on the show today, I forgot because we just jumped into this stuff. Uh Brian Baldinger, yes, our NFL insider here at Odyssey. You know him well, Baldy's breakdowns. I know you all watch them on Twitter on the NFL Network and Fox NFL. Uh, he's going to be with us, and we're going to ask him all about what's happening with the Raiders or not happening with the Raiders. But back to this point about the defense, Mo, um, it, it really is perplexing. And I have been, again, the font of positivity. Um, when the Raiders aren't sending me fat six-digit checks, just kidding, um, they, 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 I've been trying to say, look, you have to wait. Sometimes things take time. There's a plan here. But it's getting harder to defend it because I don't see I don't see any of the gaping holes outside a quarterback, like you said, and that one we can debate separately. But I haven't seen them move on all of that. For the fans out there who are ultra negative and feel like, oh, here we go, another 20 years, these guys need to go. It's getting harder to defend it just because you haven't seen any glimmer of hope. If they did something that says, hey, like last year, even though people all now talk about how terrible he is. When Chandler Jones was signed last year, and I think that was actually on Wednesday night going into Thursday when they made the uh -huh. Devontae Adams deal, um, people got excited about Chandler. Says, oh, look, they're doing something about the defense. We haven't seen any of that. I, this is what's hard to defend to me. The, the one thing is we already know what the track record of the Patriot way is in other places. It isn't very good. <laughs> I, I mean, Bill O'Brien went to Houston. Yes. Right. When Bill O'Brien was with Houston, they won a bunch of division titles, but that was a bad division. The Raiders are in division with the, 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 the reigning champions and the Chiefs. The Chiefs, who, the Chargers who went to the playoffs, and the Denver Broncos who should be a lot better with Sean Payton, right? Mm -hmm. So this is not a weak division. And as I said, the, the track record of the Patriot way hasn't worked out. And I'm sure we're going to get into that with, with Baldy today. But there's one point that you made, and you were on with Adrian. Uh, I believe early this week, and you made mm -hmm. a great point, right? And it's I, I did the yes, it's the it's the one criticism I would say is very valid, whether regardless of what the Raiders do from here on out. The fact that you sign a player like Darren Waller to an extension, and then a year later you trade him, to me, there's something there. You don't you don't make that player Darren Waller the highest pay, paid at his position, and then trade him away for a third-round pick a year later. I understand he was hurt, and, and I and I went on Twitter, and I said, look, the Raiders got fair compensation for Waller. He, was, he missed the last – he missed 14 games in the last two years. He's had five touchdowns over the last two years, and he's – again, he's missed 41% of his games, and he was the highest-paid tight end. So I get why the Raiders can only get but so much for him. But to, to, to cut Derek Carr – and then to trade Darren Waller and all you have to show for it is a third round pick and some cap space that you're not using. Yeah. That that's uh that's concerning. It's concerning. And 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 I've I've again been preaching patience with Dave Ziegler that he has to have a plan. He's trying to play chess versus checkers. It's it's given me a lot of memes back in response, which has been great. <laughs> uh but I will tell you this. 
each day that goes by, and I and, and listen, Mo, you and I know, and, and this is where I've had to mute people because we don't overreact. We don't get emotional. We don't get in our feelies here on Silver and Black today. But I will tell you, the more this goes on and the, what you're seeing and hearing, I don't know that Josh McDaniels makes it through a second season. I, I just, if, if it's really, I know there's players who are coming there to play for him, right? Because Jacoby Myers, Jimmy G, these guys are coming there. But they're just, it's hard to defend the guy with what we saw last year and the mistakes he made as a coach on the field. Then with some of the issues with relationship breakdowns, the car thing is a little different to me. But now, you know, all this other stuff that's coming out, I'm concerned with that because suddenly you're right. You sign a player like Darren Waller to an extension, and I understand the injury piece of it. But somewhere that relationship break down. People are, you know, now people's wives are tweeting, well, we didn't invite him to the wedding. Kelsey Plum tweets, right, about the fact that they he didn't keep their wedding a secret. And for some reason they were having their wedding on the same day as Mac. Just weird drama stuff, right? It just seems to point to continued problems with development of relationships for Josh McDaniels. Here's the thing, right? So people... I- I can I can kind of understand Derek Carr, but anytime you trade a quarterback of Derek Carr's caliber, he's a starting yes. quarterback. We can all agree on that. You should be able to get compensation for him. I mean, for crying out loud, the Falcons were able to get a third round pick for Matt Ryan. <laughs> I mean, come on, but that's, so how that's the a contract was structured though. The the, that, the no trade clause, Mo, is is what ruined it, right? Because if they right. don't have the no trade clause, they would have gotten draft compensation. Right. And, and and that's where that's where they goof. I understand it's a give and take. You have, sometimes you have to have concessions where if you get you're gonna get something in a contract, you have to give up something. But to right. me that that killed the whole that killed this trade value. And as we saw, they probably thought maybe we can work something out. And if we don't, we could get the cap space. But again, if you're not using the cap space, what a good is it? And the other thing, like I said, is it's a clear pivot from an initial plan. Again, you don't sign a player like Darren Waller to be the highest paid player at his position only to trade him a year later. So something happened there, and I don't think it's all just has to do with this National Enquirer story about the wedding and, and what happened and Kelsey Plum <laughs> saying, well, he didn't, he wasn't invited. There's there's more than I think has to do, again, with his injury history. Now, I will say, fortunately for the Raiders, this is a good tight end class coming into the league in 2023, so the Raiders yeah. will probably dip into that talent pool and get another tight end. I think they should call for Hunter Henry who the Pages already traded one of their tight ends and John Smith to the Falcons. I think Josh McDaniels will make a call for Hunter Henry. He was a pretty good red zone threat when Josh McDaniels was there. But the other point is, as I said, and, and I'll bring this up to Baldy, is that even though Mark Davis is probably not going to give Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziggler a mandate that you got to win X amount of games to keep your job, the players are going to give him a mandate in the sense that if you don't start winning games, the players are going to start to lose faith in you. And I'll ask yes. Brian Baldy about this today, but I'm sure there's a cutoff point when – you failed as a head coach in Denver. You you get to a team that went to the playoffs and you go six and eleven with some decent players, especially on the offensive side of the football. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to start winning games where the players are gonna look at you and say, This guy's not a head coach. Can Maybe this guy he's just lead? really good. Maybe he's yeah. just a good offensive coordinator, not a good head coach. Yeah, and you have to wonder too, because remember the the stuff with Darren Waller towards the end of the season, and we talked about it a lot on this show. We talked a lot about it uh with Adrian on his show on the Bet Las Vegas too which was suddenly there was all these these things coming out from the locker room. The players were questioning whether or not he was working hard to come back. You look back at that now and you say, was that players or was that the coach <laughs> leaking it out, right? There's a lot of questions here. And so I, I, I don't defend Josh McDaniels a lot because I think fans, I think observers, and we'll ask, as you said, you're going to ask Baldy about it next uh, when he joins us. 
we'll ask him about that because I just think that it, it's it's a different way. And the whole idea of the Patriot way, in one way, I understand it. Look, these guys came from a winning organization, but at the same time, those guys that have left that winning organization have not been successful. And by the way, they don't have Bill Belichick, which is really the key to everything. So we'll have to ask him about that as well. But it's one of those situations where I get why fans are negative. I just think that if you're you're going to drive yourself crazy, you can question, you can be skeptical, uh, but but I'll continue to r- remain positive as long as I can. It's just getting harder to defend it, and I think the Raiders got to show that they are moving things in the right direction, especially on that defense. Absolutely, and, I, and like I said, there's no way you could tell me that. Now, again, there's still time for agency left, and I, I strongly believe there's going to be an acquisition for a defensive player, but you cannot tell me that Marcus Epps, Robert Marcus Epps' safety, Robert Splain, the linebacker, re-signing Jerry Tillery, and re-signing Roderick Teamer solves your issues. Now, again, I know <laughs> you're going to probably try to solve most of your issues in the draft, but you have to. As we said, they got cap space for Derek Carr. They got some cap relief yeah. from the Darren Waller trade. Use yeah. some of that cap space to address some of your issues right now as you can in free agency. Yeah, and they still they still haven't. And I know uh, what you I know you want to ask Baldy about Jermaine Illuminor, who's a free agent. The Raiders have not re-signed him yet. I think that should be a priority for them. I was talking with somebody today who's like, "Oh, they got to redo the offensive." Line. I said, "Actually, no. The offensive line it's one of the most underrated and underdiscussed stories of last season because they didn't address in the preseason last year the offensive line, and so it struggled." mightily at the beginning of the season but as the season got on it got better and i'm not saying it's a top five offensive line or anything but Jermaine illuminor deserves a lot of credit and so you understood that but we have not seen any movement there either so so you got to be concerned with this and you got to hope that today thursday going into friday that this stuff gets resolve because you want to just have some glimmer of hope to say, okay, now going into the draft, we got a couple guys here and there that we're confident about that made us better. Now we can go get some young bucks on those contracts to come in and, and, and fill the rest of those holes. Now, again, I don't want Raider Nation listening to this show to panic because I understand no. that for HC is not just the first two days, of, not just the two days of the legal tampering period in the first right. day of the new league year. There's still time, and I strongly believe that the way Josh, the way Dave Ziegler has spent his cap space so far, now overspending for Jimmy Garoppolo with an incentive layup deal, not overspending for Jacoby Myers, re-signing some of his players. I really feel like he's waiting for some of these solid quality veterans to drop their asking price mm. and then he'll pounce you know toward the end of the week and in the beginning of the second because remember i reminded raider nation that remember reggie fridays there was always a there was a time when reggie mckenzie was the gm <laughs> friday would roll around and then you see all these Bam. moves happen now last year as i just said days didn't start didn't start to get it going until thursday so here we are you're if you're listening to us right now it is thursday it would be a time that Dave Ziggler could get it going. And I said it could start with the Hunter Renfro trade simply because if he's on the if he's on the roster by Friday, they're on the yep. hook for his full contract. So there could be some moves to compile more draft picks. I strongly still believe, even with Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster, that they're compiling draft picks so that they can move up to get their quarterback of choice. Yes, and that's where, I mean, some deals could go down your right later on, especially with some of those uh, seasoned defenders if they're targeting anybody. And there are guys out there available, right? So there's some good players that are available. There's some good free agents still out there, too. Uh, and Ngakwe, remember him? He's a free agent, Mo. Why not think about it? We'll see. Uh, for the other they side, brought back Cameron Jones. 
they, yeah, they, they brought, brought back face, face off. Why not? Why not Ngakwe? Hey, look, I, I want them to get better than that, but but you never know, right? You just <laughs> never know. Uh, all right, we're gonna step aside. When we come back, Mo and I are gonna be joined by one of our favorite guys in the entire business, and that is Brian Baldinger. Baldy is coming up. He's going to break down the Raiders' free agency so far. He's going to answer our questions about Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll get him. Mo has studied Baldy's old films of Jimmy Garoppolo, so he's going to ask him those questions. We're going to have a good time, so don't go anywhere here on Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast, also heard on The Bet in Las Vegas over the radio. He is Momo, and I am Scott Branson. We will be back right after this with Brian Baldinger. Don't go anywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast, also heard on The Bet in Las Vegas, if you're listening to us on the radio. Uh, glad to be back with you here, Scott Branson and Mo Moten talking Raiders football. And joining us today, we're excited. We've been waiting for this one for a bit. And that, of course, is uh, our guest, Brian Baldinger. Of course, you know him as Baldy, and he is here. You can catch him on Odyssey. He's on our NFL Insider here. Also, Fox and, of course, NFL Network at Baldy NFL. Baldy's breakdowns are always a huge, huge deal for NFL fans. We love it. Uh, Brian, thanks for being with us today. Well, it's good to be with you on the uh, official start of the new year. Uh, free agency just kicked off here officially a couple hours ago. So here we are on uh, Wednesday, March 15th, maybe. And um, let's put whatever happened uh, in the rearview mirror. Let's start building this, this proud franchise into a playoff team here. And it really kind of starts during free agency. Yeah. And that's, it's a good point. You bring that up. Cause that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to first, of course, start with having the conversation. The Raiders had one huge, uh, of course, hole in their roster as things came up. And that of course was quarterback. So the Raiders say goodbye to Derek Carr in nine and a half years. You've covered this story. You know, very well, they go out, they sign Jimmy Garoppolo. He was rumored as that tampering period opened up. Boom. The Raiders quickly do that. Give me your first reaction to Jimmy G coming back to someone he knows well, and that's Josh McDaniels. Well, that can never be a bad thing. A guy that he's familiar with, you know, I mean, Jimmy's leaving an organization where Kyle Shanahan was the head coach, the play caller. He was very demanding of the quarterbacks. Uh, basically, you know, was pretty controlling of the quarterbacks. And it was an issue, I think, that Derek Carr had with Josh McDaniels. Uh, with the Raiders is, you know, just the freedom that he probably would like to have the way some quarterbacks do to to really control the game at the line of scrimmage. And that's not really the way Josh operates. And But, you know, but the good thing is with uh, Jimmy G coming in, like he's used to operating that way. He was he operated that way when he was in New England, 
with Josh and the way Bill Belichick ran his team. He operated that way in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. So I think there's a familiarity about what is expected, what's demanded, what practices are like, how difficult uh, they can be, and they should be, uh, you know, because you kind of want to put your quarterback uh, in the most difficult situations you can during a week to prepare him for Sundays. And I, I think Jimmy, uh, despite the fact that sometimes it looks like he doesn't have a single problem in the world, he'll tell you <laughs> that some of those practices out there in San Francisco, um, you know, you might come and see otherwise uh, when he gets an earful from his head coach there. So, Baldy, Mo Moten coming in uh, from Bleacher Report. There are a lot of Raider fans on the ledge right now. Uh, some Raider fans didn't like the signing of Jimmy G because of his well-documented injury history. But we brought you here to talk X's and O's. And I dug back in the archives, and I saw an old breakdown you did in 2019 of Jimmy G versus the Cardinals in Week 9. And it was a pretty good breakdown of what he can do well. And you saw the accuracy. You saw the ball placement, his ability to go through his progressions. He took the hit in the, a nasty hit in the pocket, off-platform throw. He's on target, on schedule. So just kind of go through and maybe expand on some of the things that Josh McDaniels can do with Jimmy G and how he can uplift that Raiders offense. Yeah, no, Mo, look, I mean, the things that you just described, you know, just from a breakdown, I mean, I think those things are true. I mean, I think he understands progressions. I think he understands, you know, how to read a defense from the moment that he gets the ball snapped uh, in his three-step, five-step, seven-step drops. What he's looking at, I think he knows what he's looking at. Um, you know, he's not like a lot of guys. I mean, he needs help around him. He needs protection. He needs guys that can win one-on-ones, that can separate, uh, you know, whether because of their size or because of their route running. Uh, obviously, with a guy like Devontae and Hunter, you've got two elite route runners that know how to beat man coverage. And so, you know, that's a good thing for Jimmy. The offense line, I thought, improved uh, greatly. Uh, as the season went on, you know, a guy like Dylan Parham, uh, I thought really became uh, exactly what they wanted him to become, like a really entrenched starting guard. And he's got the league's leading rusher. He can't do it by himself, Mo. But I th- think the, the, when he gets into trouble, there's two things. One, when he gets late into the progressions, and sometimes he's just got to snap it off. He's got to snap that ball. Sometimes he makes poor decisions when he does that. They can lead to turnovers or to some passes that flutter away from him. And then look, look, you cannot dismiss the injury history. It it showed up last year and it showed up since his time when he took over for Tom Brady in New England. And that has to be a concern. And you can go in saying, all right, um, if we get 14 or 15 games out of Jimmy, that's a win. Okay. All right. But he's had some serious injuries where he's missed considerable time and where he's needed surgeries. Uh, that set him back in the offseason a year ago. And so you have to know that going in, that this can happen to Jimmy. That's just the way that he's constructed. Um, injuries are part of the game, but you just don't want it at that position. So two-part question. You're a former offensive lineman. I just wanted your quick thoughts on Jermaine Illuminar because I felt like Jermaine Illuminar got better as the, as the season went on. It was his first time, first year being a full-time starter at the right tackle position. I felt like, yeah, he had the penalties, but I think as far as his pass protection – Pretty solid. I think the Raiders should resign. I'm surprised they haven't done it yet. The other thing is about Jimmy G, and what thing I noticed is, do you think he's too dependent on throwing to the middle of the field? Because even in your breakdown, a lot of throws in, in between the hashes. Do you think there's an issue with him throwing outside the numbers? Yeah, I think there's. I think there's a little bit of a concern there, Mo. Uh, 
you know, the, those throws across the field, I mean, either you have to throw those with elite anticipation or you've got to be able to really drive the ball. It's got to be one or the other. Preferably, you like a guy that can do both, that has elite anticipation and can drive it. And I think that Jimmy has anticipation. I don't think he can always drive. He just doesn't have – he just doesn't generate that type of power. It doesn't mean that he can't, but he has struggled with that in the past. Illuminar played great last year. I think he gave up – Moa. You know, I don't have the stats in front of me. I think mm-hmm. he maybe gave up at the most three sacks. Yep, uh, he correct. didn't have too many penalties. He might have had 10, uh, somewhere around that. But it was the first chance he ever got a chance to play. You know, I mean, really, he's bounced around. I remember when he, the Baltimore Ravens drafted him. You know, and I remember, you know, seeing him, and the Ravens had a nice pipeline of offensive linemen coming through there. Um, you know, I thought Alex Bars played good. I, I always kind of think, Mo, in tandems. Like, I feel like the two guards in the center is like a tandem. The left guard, left tackle is a tandem. The right guard, right tackle. Because you do so much together, whether it's combo blocks, cutoff blocks, and so how you work together. I thought Dillon, you know, on and, and Colton played really well together, especially in the run game. Uh, and then if you had Foster Moreau, you know, the tight end, whatever, I thought I thought they, they, they sealed the edges pretty good. And I saw that development with Bars and Illuminar. So I don't know what their plans are. I know that uh, both those guys are free agents right now. Um, you know, I, you're seeing secondary free agents go. Like I just saw mm-hmm. Nate Herbig go to Pittsburgh. From the Jets, mm-hmm. you know, for mm-hmm. you know, one of those kind of contracts where you go, okay, prove yourself, you'll get another contract, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I kind of feel like Jermaine is in that situation. Like maybe he deserves a two-year deal, whether you know, from the Raiders, and like prove yourself, you'll be in a position for another contract, a bigger contract, if you mm-hmm. can nail down that right tackle position. Well, and, and Baldy, I'll tell you that the Raider fans overall have been a little nervous just because the team in this free, early free agent period, just hasn't signed a lot of guys on the defense. And I know we talk about it all the time. You talk about it all the time. Look, in the NFL, you got to win in the trenches. We, we talked about the offensive line. They had an improved offensive line there. But then when you get to the situation with the Raiders' defensive line, you talk a lot about Max Crosby and what he's done on the edge. But the middle of the Raiders' defense needs a lot of work. Um, there's a lot of good players coming up in the draft, young guys. Are you surprised that they haven't made any moves yet uh, in the middle of the defense. Yeah, I am. You know, they, it's been a weakness. In fact, they just haven't been able to put a defense together. Right. You know, whether, I mean, there's just been so many changes. Obviously, there's regime changes and things like that. And so, you know, players come and go. Marcus Epps was signed. He's a, he's a really smart player. Played really well in Philadelphia. Um, I think they're getting a good player. Uh, nobody can really, nobody seems like they can draft safeties. They have to find them, you know, in the secondary market. And so that that's an issue. Although I, you know, I know that uh, Trayvon is back there and he was, you know, a high pick for him in the second round. But I just feel like your team, I just feel like it has to be built better and, and, and guys that can just stick. And it starts, you know, with building it right down the middle and just building it strong down the middle. I just feel like, you can never go wrong when you do that. And, I, you know, I don't know right now if Blau Nichols or, you know, some of the guys, Pika, Pecco, some of the guys they have mm-hmm. in there, they picked up, you know, uh, Jerry Tillery, you know, and that looked like it was good for about a game. And then Jerry <laughs> Tillery kind of looked like he did a lot, you know, 
for much of his time with the Chargers, where he's he's not very good against the run, you know. And you go against teams that you know that want to run the ball. Um, you know, it didn't look like it was something that you know he's particularly good at. He's looks more like an end than a defensive tackle, that kind of thing. But I feel like there has to be addressed. And I know Jonathan Hankins, all these guys that come through there. Yeah. But you need guys that can just anchor in the middle. And you need depth. I mean, look at these the top defenses in football. Like, they've got depth on the defense line. I, I Look, I love Max Crosby. I think he plays too many snaps. Like, he's playing 90-plus percentage of the snaps. And as much as you don't want to take him off the field, I think he can even be better in the fourth quarter when the games are in the balance. So, so as a former player, I just want to take a big picture for a moment, Baldy. Now, Joshua Daniels has obviously a losing record coming into his second season with the Raiders. He had a stint with Denver that didn't work out well. Of course, we all know the Raiders went 6-11 last year. It doesn't seem like Mark Davis has a mandate that, okay, you have to win now or you're going to be fired. But at what point do the players in the locker room start to lose faith in their head coach when they know he's had a losing record? You're coming off of a losing season. You're getting rid of guys like Darren Waller and Derek Carr. At what point do the players start to question, is he a head coach? Is he the guy to lead this football team? Oh, I, I think some of those whispers are there, Mo, now for the same yeah. for a lot of the things that you just said. I'm not here to knock Josh McDaniels, but, you know, it didn't work out in Denver. Um, some guys aren't head coaches. They're better off coordinators. Uh, we've all seen that of all of our histories, whatever mm-hmm. you know amount of time that is. But I've seen it probably a lot longer than you guys have. And so, uh, you know, six wins isn't good enough, just not good enough from, you know, from a playoff team a year ago where they won their final four games in 2021 to get to the playoffs, uh, to go backwards like they did last year. And to see just the really difficult losses they had. I mean, the Cardinals, I mean, just go through the, you know, just the gut-wrenching losses. Um, and you can say, okay, first year, transition year, okay. Well, you've already made changes at quarterback. The running back's not happy. Your tight end is gone. Um, you haven't really done anything outside of Marcus Epps to address the defense. And so – this is the reality. And I look, I'm only we're all we're only saying the same things that Raider Nation is saying. I mean, nobody right. covers and follows their team quite like your nation, and that's a great thing. But like I've got friends that are diehard Raider fans, and they're asking me, how is Jimmy G an upgrade on Derek Carr? I mean, that's mm-hmm. right out of the box, you know. And so look, the best thing they did last year was watch Josh Jacobs have the year they had. Like, I don't know. I talked to LaDainian Thompson about this a couple weeks ago. Like, I love Josh Jacobs. We all do. He's got a smile on his face, happy guy, great attitude, the whole thing. He doesn't seem happy right now. I mean, contract, players, you know, um, you know, all that stuff that can that players talk about. But at the same time, can you expect, you know, Josh Jacobs to go lead the league in rushing again this year? Like, I, I yeah. like not that he can't. But that's that's a hard thing to expect. And I never felt like they took advantage of that the way I thought when you've got the league's leading rusher, you got to make that running game pay off. And I don't think they did a good enough job doing that last year. Yeah. And, and Baldy, let me ask you that, too, because there's obviously coaching there to your point, using weapons, knowing knowing what you're doing with the game plan and so on. Um, and, but you also have the front office. I think Raider fans, listen, since since Al Davis passed away and even before that, as you know, as Al Davis in the later years after the salary cap came in, uh, kind of lost the way for the franchise. 
they get back to it. They, they sit here and they say, boy, it's been 25 years since we've been consistently good. Uh, and they're impatient. They want to win now. But you have Dave Ziegler come in. It's year two. Last year, he makes a Devontae Adams trade. He has no first or second round picks last year. And you have to build through the draft nowadays. Um, how you, you, you treat, you tell them to have patience with this. But when you have a new GM like that, are you with me that it really takes two to three years to see kind of fruits of that labor? Uh, and are we just more sensitive nowadays because we got social media and we can all complain at the same time at reach? Well, we see too many teams <laughs> go from last to first. Yeah. You know, we yeah. just saw the Detroit Lions turn their their season, their franchise completely around in one year last year. Now, I know Dan's going into his third year, and so you say, okay, third year. But, you know, they, they look like they're going in the right direction. But every year we have a team that goes from last to first in this business. And so to go from a playoff team to, you know, six win team, uh, that's not going to make anybody happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and look, I mean, there is a, a cynical part that you have to kind of address going this Patriot way. <laughs> does it, it doesn't look like it transfers anywhere uh, else. Yeah. And so Look, I'm not, I'm not here to knock Dave or Josh. Like, it worked in yeah. New England when Tom Brady was the quarterback. But, you know, anybody that's tried to take the Patriot way, you know, um, to someplace else, it never worked. <laughs> and so, you know, it always starts with bringing their kind of players in. Like, you get Jacoby Myers. And, you know, I mean, Jacoby's a good player. Like, is he going to change? Like, is, is it going to – are you going to throw to Devontae or Jacoby? You know, are you going to throw to Hunter or Jacoby? I mean – the ball's going to Devontae. Like, it needs to go there more. And he had a great season. I mean, he's just that good. But I don't know, like, uh, the Patriot way. I mean, the Patriot way is fine <laughs> in Foxborough. Like, I, I'm not a big fan of it anywhere else. Because I, I don't believe that you can duplicate. Like, there's just certain pillars in this history of this game. You know, you can build Belichick. I mean, there's no duplicate of Bill Belichick. You can coach exactly. with Bill. You could have been around him. Nobody has his mind. Right. You know, and look, I've seen it. Nobody has Andy Reid's mind. You know, I saw him adjust an offense in one year when T.O. came. The offense completely changed. He got an elite player at that position for the first time. Donovan never played better. Andy never looked better. Like, just you you can't just take that playbook and just take it someplace else. And this is the way. Like, we think you can, but that's not the way. That's not the way this thing works. Yeah, no, and that's a, a lot of Raider Nation has been echoing that this week as yes. they try to figure out what is going on and what the plan is. But, uh, Baldy, listen, we appreciate it. Make sure you follow Brian at Baldy NFL as well as uh, um, on NFL Network. And, of course, here on Odyssey where he's our NFL insider, Brian Baldinger. Brian, thank you so much, man. We'll have you on again soon. Let's do thank it. Thank you, sir. After the draft, let's let's build this thing. Let's got to strike some gold in this draft, and there's still <laughs> yeah. another day of free agency. But let's strike some gold. Let's yeah, find another – I want to find another Max Crosby, man. I, I, <laughs> nothing makes me more excited than watching Max play football. Yeah, that's that's what Raider Nation wants, man. They love him. So, Brian, we we'll appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you draft time. Okay. Thanks, Take Brian. care, guys. Take See care. You. Thank you. All right. There you go. Uh, Brian Baldinger, of course. Uh, Mo, uh, just a great conversation there uh, with, yeah. with a guy I respect. Just so much football knowledge. And, and the thing he does best is he actually – breaks it down for folks uh, and not for just NFL players, former NFL players or people who are into the techno side of the game. He really does a great job of doing that all and uh, answering the questions for everybody. So, and, and not surprising a lot of the Raider nation, the negative Raider nation this week 
is going to love that interview because he echoed some of the things they said. I was being Mr. Positive and getting hammered for it. Uh, and then Baldy comes on and kind of reaffirms some of what they're saying. And he's absolutely right. I was going to say, if he had a little bit more time with him, I would have said the, the the concerning thing is former players who played in New England, good players like Darius Slay are also criticizing the Patriot way. Yeah. So when you have players who are going to become fragile or are fragile, don't want to play for your team because of the way the culture is set up, Mm -hmm. that's a problem because then you're you're not only it's going to be hard for you to get good players to come to Las Vegas, even though there's, you know, the tax free thing, but players say, well, I don't want to be involved with the Patriot way. It's not something I want to, you know, join or think I fit into because Darius Slade was on Twitter, criticized, basically criticizing the Patriot way. He didn't criticize Josh McDaniels, but he said, people thought I just didn't like Matt Patricia. No, it's the Patriot way. And that's as Brian (laughs) Bollinger said that, that's what it's being set up in Las Vegas with a lot of former Patriots coming coming west. So that's an issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but great interview, of course. We appreciate Baldy coming on. He is part of the family here at Odyssey and NFL Insider for us. And so we'll have him on at draft time as well. All right, Mo, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we close out the show. Yes, it's time for that mailbag. And you can imagine uh, how it is. And Mo and I will talk a little bit about our experience on social media this week with Raider Nation. Yes, we're going to delve into that because (laughs) it's been a really interesting week. So we'll talk about it when we come back. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast, also on The Bet in Las Vegas on the radio. We'll be back right after this. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. Also, a hello to the listeners on the radio. That's right, on the bet in Las Vegas, our sports station, our Odyssey sports station in the city of lights, Las Vegas, Nevada. Thanks for being with us all. If you don't subscribe to the show already, wherever you get your audio, just search Silver and Black today and you'll find us. I'm Scott Gobranson, your host. Also, my co-host, the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report, Mo Moten, Midtown Mo, as we call him. You can follow him on Twitter, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. We've had fun talking about free agency. Now, Mo, it's time to turn it over to them, the fans, the listeners, Raider Nation mailbag segment for the week. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about our interactions on Twitter this week. Uh Uh-oh. They've been such a mixed bag. I said it yesterday. In a period of two hours, somebody was telling me that I hate the Raiders. I'm a Raider hater, bringing up the fact that I grew up a Charger fan, because that's always some people love to continue to bring that up for some reason. And number two, I had somebody else then tell me that I'm on the payroll. I've had more than one person because I was being positive and that I wasn't saying that the world was ending. And, and you and I always get into the whole Twitter thing and how it's just not reality and that it, it definitely it definitely serves a, a certain mindset more than others. Not that there isn't positive, great folks on Twitter, because we interact with a lot of them as well. But just like last year, and I've, I've checked, I had to check, it's happening in all fan bases. It's not just Raider Nation. 
But Raider Nation, because of the pent up demand for, I don't know, a playoff team, um, it's just, it's been so crazy. And I've, I've never muted as many people in my life as I did this year because I've never had more people come at me and I don't even block them. I just mute them. But it's interesting how in two hours, window opens Monday, two hours later, the Raiders are going to fail. They're going to think they're not going to win a game next year. It's remarkable how fast it goes. As a Twitter free agency veteran <laughs> on the NFL side, <laughs> I'll just say this, Scott. I'm just going to give you some advice. and I, you, you probably don't even need it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. There are fans out there who are going to be upset because they were staunch supporters of Derek Carr, and they feel like whatever oh. happens after the, the, the release of Derek Carr, this, this regime is doomed to fail. There are other fans who feel like no matter what, the Patriot way is a failure. And I can understand that portion sure. of fans because, as we just said in the first segment, has not worked out for the most part for other uh, coaches under Bill Belichick. Right. And then there are other fans who, who are on the positive side. And I heard our buddy Murph over at Raider Fan Radio Great just say, stuff. look, I'm not going to be negative because if I'm negative, I'm not going to put energy into this. I'm just going to look at it from a positive perspective because what else could I do? I'm not yes. here making the moves. But all I could do as a fan is hope for the best. Now, may I question certain moves? May I not like certain moves? Yeah, sure. But I'm going to sit here and I'm going to hope for the best because I'm not going to make myself sick over things that I cannot control. Right. And, and vent. That. Fans vent, right? Yeah. You've heard me vent. I'm baseball-wise, yeah. I'm a Padres fan. I've had 50 years of nothing. Okay. So so I, I know that feel I know that feeling. But unless the Padres have now the Padres are spending money like they're like it's going out of style. So they're actually going to compete. So I feel really good at going into the year. If my team wasn't, I would understand the point of view. But as I said, and you've been saying to people, like, look, and what Murph said so perfectly. Mm -hmm. which is you choose to how, you, how you're going to react to it. You can't control it. I think fans want to feel like they can control it sometimes. And again, the venting is good. I got no problem with it. We, after games, we do our live show and people are venting. It's awesome. It's perfect. That's what it's for. It's great. But this idea that they owe you something or that you, because it's been 20 years and it's funny when people start talking about 25 years and I look and they're like 26 years old. Um, cause really how long have they suffered? But anyway, the, the, you look at that and you're like, you can't control the team. All you can control is, is one thing. And that is if you follow the team or you don't follow the team, like you have a choice, right? And so, yes, you want your team, you're invested. I had a PSL holder fight with me saying I've invested 50 K. I have a say, you know, if they don't do that, why well, invested this? And it's my investment. I said, well, it's not really an investment. Well, no, it is. And I said, and that's what the ticket person told you. Now, unless you sell your tickets for a profit, which is perfectly within your rights, which Raider fans hate because then visiting fans come in. Uh -huh. It's not really an investment. What it's an investment in is your desire to go and enjoy the game and be a fan. That's where your investment is. That I agree on. So, so I get this, but the emotional, um, what's the emotional investment? Like, I just can't imagine. And I know people will say, you don't understand. You haven't been a Raider fan. I get that piece of it, but I am a fan of other teams. So I, I understand it. But you you get to decide every day, Mo, if you're going to be negative and the world is coming to an end and the sky is falling, then that's how it's going to feel for you all the time. Even when you succeed, you're never going to truly enjoy it because you're going to be waiting for the other shoe to drop. As the resident Raider fan <laughs> on the show, grew up you're a Raider a Jets fan on the show. 
<laughs> Since I grew up a Raiders fan, I understand <laughs> if you if you are a person who's gone to game, spent your money, because let's remember, sure. you know, majority of America isn't rich. It's expensive to go to these games. So you're going to these games, you're supporting a team. And I, so I understand the frustration where I'm spending my money to go watch a bad football team. No one yeah. wants that. No, I have a friend who's a Raider fan who drove from Kentucky to Las Vegas to see the Raiders what? and they got spanked by the Chiefs. He was not happy. So I can totally understand. <laughs> I can totally understand being upset that you spend all of this money, however you spend it, on the Raiders and they're not putting a quality product on the field. The other thing I will say is the investment is the emotional investment. And that's emotional. what we deal with on yes. social media, on Twitter. Yes. And this is why I'm patient with fans online because I understand the emotional investment. I understand venting and going on social media because that's your that's your time where you can get, have your say, so to speak. Sure. Now, you don't have say in what the Raiders are doing, but you get to speak your mind. And it's their time to speak their mind. So this is why I would say, Scott, my advice to you is if you get a, a person who's just overly emotional, let them have that moment. Now, if a fan asks you a question or they have an inquiry, that's when you have a dialogue with them. And you can have a civil discussion online. Yes, I, I do. The issue, though, is when somebody calls you an a-hole because your opinion is different, that's yeah. different. Like, yeah. I get, like, I have plenty of people, I have great discussions with people who 100% disagree with something I say. They believe the exact opposite and they tell me emphatically why. Totally cool. Mm -hmm. I love that, right? And and I and actually, I, I like that because it makes me test my own thinking. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I'll say something and you'll have a different view. And we talk okay. about it. We go back and forth, whether it's text or on the show here. And mm -hmm. and I'm like, well, that's a good point. I didn't think of it that way. I, my mind is in a different space now. Because you can, mm -hmm. by the way, you can change your mind. You can say <laughs> Yes, it's against it's the law. Unbelievable. Scott, and that's by. and that's what that's what that's what Murph talked about on his show too. But the point <laughs> is you can save a tweet of something I said three months ago that turned out to be wrong because guess what? I know it's hard to believe, but I am human and yes, things we we're all wrong on things. And I'm perfectly fine to admit that. But fans' emotions um on on, on an hourly basis on free agency, I just listen. Be excited, but at the same time, give it some time. I've and, and I have to say that the majority of fans that I've now interacted with are actually in that boat. They're in the, hey, I'm not exactly excited. I'm, I'm questioning what's going on, but I'm going to wait a little bit and see what happens. Like that, that I totally get. They're emotional too, but they're giving it some time. And of course, this drove a lot of mail to the mailbag. So we got to get to that as well. But, mm -hmm. but anyway, I listen, for those people out there who don't want to call my mother things and, 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 and make fun of, uh, all kinds of personal appearance stuff and all that. Look, I don't need you in my life. It's cool. You can go do that. I don't really care. But for those folks who want to have dialogue, I love it. And I know Mo, you love it. We both do it. Um, and, and the one thing I always say, and I tweeted it out too, which is we're going to be objective. I'm not going to be as, and I used your term, by the way, I don't know if you saw the tweet, unicorns and rainbows. I'm not going to be I that. Saw the emojis. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you're not going to do it either. And so that's what I say. If you want stuff blown up the backside, then go find it. You can find it. And God bless those people who make that content because that's what they do and there's nothing wrong with it. But that's not what we do here. So what we'd like to do though is we like to interact with people. So that's good. That's why we do a mailbag, right? We don't have to do a mailbag. It's, we, could, we could fill the time talking because look, I won't shut up now, but, but we'll, we'll get to your questions because there's lots of them. And we're going to get to a few today and we'll carry some over to next week. All right. You ready, Mo? I'm absolutely ready. I've been dealing with questions all day on Twitter from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so I'm prepared. I know. 
I know you've been very good about that in between your writing. All right. Here's one from Brian Bowles. Brian says, hey, my name is Brian. I just wanted to say my thoughts on the whole Jimmy G situation. The more I think about it, the more I support it. Not being uh, that I like Jimmy G, I don't. I made fun of him as a 49er because he was on San Francisco. But because this signing shows the Raiders aren't panicking, drafting a top QB who we aren't confident in would be a panic move. The contract is very friendly, and even though I haven't seen the official deal, I bet we will have to uh, we have a good out in 2025. It just confirms to me that they want to build long term. Thanks again, Brian Bowles. First time mailed to us, so Brian, thank you for that. What do you think? Does the, the, the Jimmy G move? I know it was the first one, and it was somewhat polarizing, and I get why for a lot of the same reasons you and I talked about on the show, which is a health issue. Um, but his point about it shows that they're not panicking. Do you agree with that? I agree in the sense that now reports came out on Wednesday that the Raiders inquired about the number one overall pick from the Bears and that they made a call on Aaron Rodgers, but the trade didn't consummate, so they turned their attention to Jimmy G. So that to that point, I agree with Brian's email that – they're not panicking. They didn't They didn't go desperate and say, okay, we have to get Aaron Rodgers. We're willing to give up anything for Aaron Rodgers. We're willing to give up anything for the number one overall pick. Dave Ziegler has a limit of what he's willing to compensate or spend for certain things, and he's going to stick to that philosophy whether it works or not. And I can respect that because at least you know mm-hmm. he's not going to overpay or overcompensate for something. And that could be a problem with any organization, especially when you're working with a situation you don't have a clear-cut quarterback. Teams get desperate. And the last thing you want to be in the NFL is desperate because teams, other good GMs can use that as a leverage. Yep. But the other thing I will say about the Jimmy G thing is what I said on, on Tuesday is that the while I didn't want the Raiders to sign Jimmy G, I can agree with the contract that he got. The contract that Jimmy G got was appropriate. And I had to point this out 50 times on Twitter <laughs> when I pointed out the fact that Part of the reason the Raiders probably traded Darren Wall is because of his injury history. People go, well, what about Jimmy G? He's hurt all the time. And I will say it's a big difference between being injury prone and being paid the top of your market and being injury prone and being paid an appropriate contract to, that addresses your injury history. The Raiders addressed the injury history of Jimmy Garoppolo with the contract that they paid him. That mm-hmm. wasn't the case with Darren Waller. Jimmy Garoppolo is paid like a middling quarterback who's been injury prone. Darren Waller produced – like a like a tight end who was a middling tight end, but yet he was being paid at the top, top of his market. His yeah. production didn't match his contract. Right. So I understand why they moved on from uh, Darren Waller and why they'd signed Jimmy G to the contract that they did sign him to. Yeah, no doubt. And and you gave me advice earlier on Twitter. I'm going to give you some advice on Twitter now. You ready? <laughs> I'm waiting. People waiting don't read. This. People don't read. Like they, you give them facts and they don't read sometimes. So even though you laid out the contract thing and why it was a good deal for the Raiders, whether you like Garoppolo or not, the contract itself, he doesn't earn a lot of the money unless he plays. So if he only plays eight games, guess what? He's not making the money. And it's a cheap Sorry to cut you off, but as the emailer Brian pointed out, they're outs in Jimmy G's contract where they're not married for, to Jimmy G for three years. Correct. They're literally on every step of the way, even after the first year, even though there's a little more dead cap there, they can get mm-hmm. out of his contract. So it's not like they, they're strapped to Jimmy G and it's Jimmy G or nothing for the next three years. Correct. And, and also, I may add, I still believe, and I could be wrong, 
because it might it might now be a little bit out of reach. We don't know. I still believe they may be trying to trade up and thinking about one of those quarterbacks. If they were willing to trade into number one, that tells me that they like one of those guys at the top two, meaning Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. I would think it would be C.J. Stroud. Uh, and they're willing to play at the top of the draft as long as they don't have to sell the farm, right? And which they were going to have to do with Carolina and, and Carolina and the Chicago Bears. What Carolina was able to give the Bears was just more than the Raiders could or would give up. And people are saying, well, they could have given Darren Waller. Darren Waller, DJ Moore, not in the same league at this point, especially when you look at age and and projected availability based on the past. So, so that's not even in question. But anyway, I still think that they could make a play and I don't care what they do in the first round, they will still draft a quarterback somewhere in this draft, and they will sign another veteran of some sort because they need another quarterback. They have to have a second quarterback, whether it's a young guy or it's another veteran. If they don't get somebody in the draft, you can bet that they're going to get two more bodies in camp. So we'll see who that is. All right, Brian, thank you again for that. But guess what? We have another question on Jimmy G. Uh, and this is more of an email. This is from our good friend Jordan Ford in St. Louis. He says, I've already seen people criticize the Jimmy Garoppolo signing, saying, why would we make this lateral move? Here's his response. He says, everyone would agree if Derek Carr was the sa on the same deal that Jimmy Garoppolo was on, we would take Derek Carr. The fact is he's not. The fact is the team did not value him at the contract as the Saints were willing to pay. We all know that this is this year will most likely be a year we draft a quarterback. So would you rather have Derek Carr on a big contract or Jimmy Garoppolo on a, on a shorter term contract, uh, even if he gets hurt with a young quarterback behind him? The glass is half full. It's a glass, excuse me, he says, it's a half glass full take, but we finally have optimism because it's something new. And I'd rather be optimistic than just say it's going to be a crap year because it was crap before. Sorry for the long-winded response. I just really feel like we should be positive. There you go. That is Jordan Ford, who's written to the show before from St. Louis. Jordan's take. I mean, his point about Derek Carr and the contract, you know, people are trying to compare the two quarterbacks. And I know, I'm sure Baldy talked about it a little bit when we talked to him in the last segment. He, he mentioned it a little, but the comparison is natural. You have to do it, right? You got rid of one guy, you bring in another guy. But when you look at the financial terms, Mo, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, I've been on a show and I said, if you separate contract aside, if you put Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo in the same contract in the same system, I would take Derek Carr over Jimmy Garoppolo. So, mm -hmm. you know, Derek Carr is way more available than Jimmy G. I think Derek Carr is better, is, has a better arm talent than Jimmy G. The accuracy is about the same. Jimmy G is completing about 67% of his passes. But you have to look at the fact that it was clear that this regime felt like Derek Carr wasn't a fit. So you're taking out a quarterback who supposedly wasn't a fit for J for Josh McDaniels, and you're bringing in a quarterback who has experience, previous experience. I know it was a while ago, but has still has that experience around Josh McDaniels' system. So I would say in that sense, it's an upgrade from a quarterback, again, who didn't fit to a quarterback who you know fits in your offense. Now, as far as the contract is concerned, I'll reiterate, as I did with, after the first email, is the fact that, Yes, Jimmy G signed a three-year, I believe, six-seven point, what, five million dollars or something yep. like that. Yep. But it's twenty-two point five million per year. Those are the face numbers. The guaranteed money is up to forty-five million guaranteed for a quarterback who's a middling quarterback, injury-prone. That's fair. I believe he's in the middle of the pack in terms of guarantees and, and, and AAV, which is annual salary. So, in a right. sense, you get a quarterback that knows the system, and you're not overpaying for him. Is a decent situation, even though I prefer the Raiders win another direction at the quarterback position. 
Yeah, and you can say, I mean, we saw Baker Mayfield sign in Tampa Bay on Wednesday. You saw the number like there. He's competing for a job. He's not the starter coming in. He was not going to get the same number that Jimmy Garoppolo was. He just wasn't going to. And so so you can't compare the two of them as well. But you look at that whole situation with the quarterbacks and think about the top of the market. When you think about when you think about the base salary for Jimmy G being 11.25 and you look at Joe Burrow, again, I'm not comparing these two guys because Joe Burrow is one of the top two quarterbacks in the league, in my view. Um, the number that they're talking about, the contract they're working on him for now is about $50 million a year, right? And then, of course, you saw what Derek Carr got in New Orleans. So you're right. You have to look at it from that perspective. I'm not saying it's sexy. I know ladies think he's sexy, but I'm saying from a football perspective. <laughs> I got a couple of those. Um, but but you look at that, for, and I understand fans aren't like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go buy a Jimmy G jersey. I get, I get that. But for what you're getting, the potential of what you're getting, if he stays healthy, uh, it's not a bad deal at all. Scott, let's call it what it is. The Raiders are hoping Jimmy G is is their version of Alex Smith or what the Absolutely. Chiefs have before Absolutely. Patrick Mahomes. Great. Analogy. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that the, the Raiders are going to get Patrick Mahomes in the draft, but what I'm saying is they're hoping Jimmy G is healthy enough to be that bridge quarterback that Alex Smith was before they get they get and find their guy of the future. And- and remember, the, the key with the Jimmy, this this is what, and I told you this on, 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 on when he got signed and we talked about it, which was the idea that if you look at his contract, they have that clean out after two years, right? Mm. Right? After 2024. It's like, like $3.75 million for that if they cut him after two years. If they, if they cut him after two years, right. So what that tells me is if they don't get their young quarterback this year, they're giving yeah, themselves sure. two years to get a young quarterback. And to have him start after the two years, you would hope that you get the guy maybe this year. And if you don't next year and they either way, they get a year in the system to learn the system before they might have a chance to start or play. And um, that's why that contract structure works out so well. All right. So thank you for that one. We appreciate it. Jordan out in St. Louis. Boy, that XFL team is doing good out there. You see their attendance <laughs> records and all that stuff. Pretty Take crazy. notes, Mark Davis. <laughs> Next one okay. is from Johnny in Las Vegas, and he says, hey, guys, please tell me you think Dave Ziegler is doing a good job because I don't. Question, do you guys have any idea, based on what the moves have been so far, what Dave Ziegler's plan is for the Raiders now and in the future? I want to believe, but I can't see any vision here. That's Johnny in Las Vegas. I'll take this one, Scott. And because yeah. I said this on Twitter on what was it Tuesday night, I said I tweeted this. I said I believe the plan right now, even though it's not appealing to fans because you don't want to see your top players go. I really feel like the Raiders, and when I say Raiders, Dave Ziegler and Josh Daniels came into Las Vegas thinking we're going to compete and win now. And when that didn't work out, they had to pivot to a rebuild. And what happens during a rebuild? You compile picks, you add all these depth signings, you don't go for the top guys because you're you're basically tearing things down to build it back up. Mm-hmm. And you don't do that with expensive signings. So with trade Darren Waller for a third-round pick, I still feel like Hunter Renfro is going to get traded. And they're compiling picks. As I said, I believe that I said this in the first segment, I think they're compiling picks to move up for a quarterback. Now, if they don't get a quarterback, what they can do is they can bundle some of these picks to maneuver themselves up and down a draft to get some blue chip prospects in the draft. So, again, this is a rebuild. Don't get it mistaken. Don't get it twisted here. I know this is year two of Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, but this is a rebuild. New quarterback. You have to overhaul the defense. That's a rebuild. And, again, when when a rebuild happens, you compile draft picks. 
You have a bunch of cheap signings that come in, guys that know the system who can play right away, and that's the start of what you would hope is a good bill for the future. And, and I understand it's semantics. And, and I, I agree 100% with you, Mo, and how you laid it out. Because, and I was trying to explain this to somebody uh, today, which was, here's the deal. Because, oh, they said they would come in and compete. And that's because they believe they could. Now, they made a bad Work. assessment, right? Work. <laughs> it didn't work. So so were they lying? I No, everybody says they were lying. Mark Davis lied. No, they didn't lie. They mi They misread what they had and what they could do with what they had. Now, is that on them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Fair criticism, right? But I don't believe they lied. And now I have a lot of the fans in Raider Nation are saying, I'm not down for a new, I'm not another rebuild, another rebuild. Well, you kind of knew it was going to happen. And, and the people who are saying, well, he took a playoff team and made it sick. Yes, they should not have gone as backward as they did, but they did. And so now they, I think what they realized, and listen, Mark Davis, it's his team. I understand a lot of you don't like him and you think that he's inept, but he made the decision to put these guys in charge. And so now these guys have to remake the team with players they believe, not John Gruden believes or make Mike Mayock believes, can do the job and do it in their system. We've now heard more and more. We saw David Carr, great clip the other day, talking about how his brother just didn't click and it didn't work. He didn't want to, he, he didn't do the things that Josh McDaniels wants his quarterback to do, which is basically just do what you're told. And so you get insight there. So that's why Derek Carr wasn't a culture fit. He wasn't going to work, not just because not because he's not a good quarterback, but because they weren't going to work. So the, the franchise chose the coach, the GM, over the quarterback, and they wanted to give him what he says he needs to win. Now, whether or not they'll be successful at that, different story. So far, the results have been terrible. But we'll see. And I think that's where this comes in, is what is the vision? The vision is they're making it as they go. And that vision is going to be based on their level of knowledge, their desire, and how they want to shape their football team. And I said this on Twitter, Scott, to people. I'm not here to sell you unicorns and rainbows and tell you everything is going to work out perfectly. We don't know. I'm not here to tell you that oh, it's going to suck and it's not going to work out at all. What, what I am here to do is to tell you what might happen and why it's happening. Right. And that's, that's what you will call objectivity. Again, I'm not here to sell Dave Ziegler and Schilfer and say, you got to hang in there. You got to believe in it. You, I'm not going to do that because as a fan, that's that's your prerogative. Whatever, however yeah. you want a fan, that's how you want to do it. If you want to be highly critical, True. do you. If you want to be highly supportive, do you. I'm not here to tell you to be either either side. But what I'm here to just tell you is that this is why it's probably – these are the moves that are ha that could happen, and this, and this is why it's probably happening to give you kind of a heads up of – how it could make sense for you. If you're trying to make sense of what's happening, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, and, and Johnny, just to, to finish this up, and thank you for your question, by the way, appreciate it, very good one, uh, is, listen, their vision, they had a vision when they got to Las Vegas. And somewhere, I'm going to guess, around October, <laughs> they realized that vision wasn't going to work. Just w for all sorts of reasons. And so now we are where we are. And so I think that, that sucks. I understand from a fan perspective. And they have a lot to prove. There's no question. I may be positive and saying, hey, you guys got to wait for things to shake out before you get crazy on us. But I will tell you this. If you listen to this show, and I've had a lot of people, new followers on Twitter lately, so a lot of them don't listen to the show. They know us from Twitter or whatever. And I tell them, if you listen to the show, Mo and I have been saying the same thing. 
I was a month I was using the catchphrase that I was charging Josh McDaniels with coaching malpractice. So for those of you who think that I get paid by the Raiders, I don't. But number two, we've been critical of the entire front office. We criticized the Waller deal when it happened. So right. again, you know, it's just, we did. And so you're going to get it as we feel. And again, not always right, but I'm just telling you, we're going to give it to you that way. Mo's right. We're not going to tell you how to fan. I might tell you you're being too negative and it's not good for your health. That's not because I'm telling you not to fan that way. I'm just telling you, I don't want you to drop dead because it's not worth it. Scott, one last analogy, right? You're, yeah. you're a father, right? I'm sure you've yes. taken road trips. Yes. I'm sure you've gotten in a car, got on a road and said, we want to get to point A at a certain time. We want to get to point B at a certain time. And it turns out that didn't happen. You came into it with a plan, right? But you oh, yeah. had to pivot from that plan because something happened. Maybe got oh, yeah. with somebody got sick. You forgot something. You had to make a detour. This road is closed. You can come into a situation with a plan, but doesn't mean it's going to work out. And when it doesn't work out, you gotta have, you gotta pivot. You gotta have a plan B. You gotta pivot. The kid throws up on you in the car, uh, <laughs> whatever. In fact, no, it's it's funny you say that, Mo, because I had my son the other day. We said, okay, we're going to do this on Saturday. I forgot what the activity was. And then it snowed outside. It was cold. We couldn't get outside. And then my younger son was sick. So we're like, okay, we can't go to the museum. I think it was the museum. We can't go to the museum today. We're going to go next week. You lied to me. <laughs> you lied. You said we were going to go. Well, I didn't lie to you. We were going to go. But guess what happened? Your brother got sick. It snowed outside. The roads aren't great. So we're not going to go. And so this is what I'm talking about with people. It's like, Yes, if people if people misrepresent something, if 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 Mark Davis said to you tomorrow in an interview that we're going for the Super Bowl this year, we will do anything to win. And then you see what happened, I get it. But at the time, they had this press conference and everybody's all jovial cuz they just signed for a ton of money. They have a vision, but things change. And I understand it's not fun, but just keep that in mind. So Mo, great great reminder for everybody. All right. We are at the end of the show. We went a little long, but uh, it's been a busy week, and I know you guys are downloading the heck out of this show. We're glad you're here to listen to us, and we got more coming up as news breaks. If something happens in the next, you know, the rest of today on Thursday, tomorrow on Friday, we'll certainly uh, try to get on the air with you and give you some more content. Also, we got the draft coming up, so we'll we'll spend a little bit of next week talking about that. But then we're going to start talking or about the free agency. But then we're going to start looking towards the draft. We got a slew of guests. We'll get Baldy back on, as he told us he would come back on to talk about the draft. We got some folks from Bleacher Report coming on the draft. We have other national media who cover the NFL draft who will be on with us as well. Mo, I'm getting excited about the draft now. We can not quite yet, but we can almost start turning the page and turning our attention to those young bucks that we're going to see drafted in April in Kansas City. And let's just hope the Raiders make some moves before in between now and the draft because Raider fans are going to be so gloomy going to the draft that the Raiders don't yeah. make at least one notable signing. They, they're they ready to see some improvements, specifically on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, I if I, if I had to go in a casino in Las Vegas and put all my money on red or black right now on the roulette table on what they'll do, I'm with you. I think they're going to make a move for a defensive player. Um, I still, I'm still holding out some thought that they move up in the draft. We'll see. But I think the biggest probability is that they do something on the defensive side, whether that's up front, linebacker, defensive, whatever it is, I think they're going to do something there, and that's why they're getting those picks. Two things I, I would probably, if I had to put some money on, 
Hunter Renfro traded in an acquisition ah. for a defensive player. Those two things, I think, are still on the radar for the Raiders. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, listen, as always, my friend, thanks for being with us. Sounds good. Appreciate it. We'll be back with a lot. We got second wave of, so much. Wave of free agency. As I said, Dave Ziggler, I feel like, is waiting for some prices to drop with some players. So second wave of free agency could be a lot more eventful than the first wave for the Raiders. Yes, and as tra- as teams look to trade away assets, again, that market's going to heat up too, and we're going to talk about it here on Silver and Black today. Do us a favor. If you don't already subscribe to the show, do so wherever you get your podcast, wherever you get your audio. Just look for Silver and Black today. Turn on those auto downloads for us. That helps us out. We appreciate that. And then make sure you don't miss any new shows. Also, please do us a favor and uh, make sure you subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. The YouTube guys mode was really funny because we record the show and then we premiere it and I jump in the chat live. Um, you know, they're like, why are you talking about, you didn't talk about that. It's like, well, yeah, it's free agency. Like things happen every hour. We can't, we can't, we can't be live for 12 hours a day, but we certainly appreciate you're there. Make sure you subscribe and hit the notifications bell. And then for our listeners on silver and black today on Odyssey's the bet in Las Vegas, we appreciate you guys being with us too. For Mo Moten, for our producer, David Stepanian, I am Scott Branson. We will see you guys on Tuesday. Thanks again.